0: Have you ever walked into a room and immediately felt out of place? Well, it's time that you know you are not the problem, and there is a solution. Welcome to Room for Everybody, the podcast that celebrates diversity, promotes inclusive interior design strategies, and challenges the norms. I'm your host, Elizabeth Beiler. Join us as we dive deep into the intersection of identity and design, Listen to people's stories and explore the beauty of our unique bodies. It's time to redesign our built environment in a way that shows we truly love and accept ourselves. Get ready to step into a world where everybody is celebrated because here there's room for everybody. Hello everyone. I am here with Owen today, they them pronouns and we're going to be talking about interior design and how that affects us and our identities that we hold. So thank you so much for being here, Owen. Just to get started, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit and talking about the identities that you hold?
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. So yeah, my name is Owen. I'm trans and non-binary. I am autistic. I am a chronic migraine sufferer. So that means I get more than a certain amount a year. And qualifies it as a chronic illness. I'm a white person. I've managed to stay relatively skinny somehow. We're not gonna question it. Uh, yeah. As far as how all that stuff impacts my experience in in a space, I mean, I think a lot of people's heads immediately jump to bathrooms, but it it really doesn't even need to get that far. Just bathrooms because of gender things. But, you know, as someone who is Neurodivergent endocronic migraine sufferer. I have a lot of sensory sensitivities to things like light and noise. And those things are really, really impacted by the design of the spaces that I have to move through. Anything from, you know, my own apartment to the way that a subway station is designed to the offices I work in, the places I shop where I get healthcare, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. Does scent impact you at all?
1: So I'm lucky that I have a pretty bad sense of smell, but if something manages to get past my bad sense of smell, absolutely. I don't tend to pick up on those things. If I do pick up on it, there can quickly be a problem, but yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. That's just something that I think about in space. I personally enjoy like a pleasant masking smell mm-hmm. uh, but try to be cautious of how that can be triggering if i'm designing a more public space
1: yeah i mean that i remember when i think it was abercrombie and fitch like mm-hmm. hummed perfume through their stores and that was too much <laughs> it was very much like i feel like some people think it's an exaggeration to be like just walking by was enough to give me a headache but like no actually yeah (laughs) just walking by was enough to give me a headache right cannot imagine how bad that would would have been if i had like a more sensitive nose (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah or if you had
0: to work there
1: oh god yeah challenging also like branding wise that completely put me off from even setting foot in that store Mm. so you know They say the small marketing worked, but I question that. That's a good
0: point. I feel like it did. It's effective for some people. But when we're thinking about how to really be more inclusive in spaces and all these brands that are like talking about diversity, equity and inclusion, but aren't really doing anything different in their physical environment. I feel like they're really missing out on a chance to practice what they're preaching. Yeah. So is there a specific space that you've experienced semi-recently or frequently that you found to be inaccessible for you?
1: Yeah, I would actually like to talk about what it's like to go visit my neurologist when I have a migraine. You know, migraines are a very common neurology issue. And a lot of neurology issues involve things like light and sound sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I also go see my neurologist in a whole hospital where you have people dealing with all kinds of issues, you know, vision issues, hearing issues, as well as anything. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's designed is incredibly not friendly to any light or sound sensitivity. Can't really speak to smells, but the... Uh, so the hospital I go to is, is Bellevue Hospital. They also have a, a queer clinic there. So that's where I see my PCP. And they take Medicaid, which is fantastic and not mm-hmm. as common as it should be. So Bellevue Hospital has been around for a really long time. So long that they did an addition to the front of the building Um, That basically brings it up in line with the sidewalk. So the addition they did on the front of the building, it's really cool aesthetically. Like aesthetically, I love the idea that, that they were working towards. When you look at the front of the building, it's this very like blank modern box from the outside. And you walk in and there's this huge expansive lobby in front of you and what you're looking at is the old beautiful detailed brick facade of Bellevue from way back in the day. So instead of getting rid of that facade when they added on, they built around it and retained it. And honestly now that it's protected from weather, it'll probably last forever. But the lobby is open all the way up to the the ceiling, the roof of the building. And the outpatient care is on Kind of the like, it's above the front door, if that makes sense. So they have the offices at the front wall of the building, the offices and patient rooms and all that stuff. And then they have the individual waiting rooms for each like area are mm-hmm. on balconies overlooking the lobby space, looking at the beautiful facade. You know, they have these glass railings so that your view isn't disruptive. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. The problem is every single waiting room gets all of the noise from every single other waiting room and wow. also from the entire lobby. It's full of hard surfaces because they're easy to clean, but that just makes it more echoey. On top of that, the space is very like bright white, which you know is, I'm sure, meant to convey something about hospitals and being clean, but is another thing where it's like, well, now the fluorescent lights that you have just bounce off of every surface. Mm-hmm. I'm already a light-sensitive person. I currently feel a vivid stabbing pain in my skull. And it is only being made worse by everything about this environment. And I'm actually here to get help for my migraine. Right. It doesn't really feel like that.
0: You're being harmed in the process of getting medical attention.
1: Yeah. It is actively making my symptoms worse to Mm -hmm. be at the doctor.
0: Yeah. Like... That's such a great example. Like that should be a space where they considered the needs of the people who would be there. And I'm sure it mainly was an aesthetic choice of look how great this looks and Mm -hmm. how much light we're getting in and not thinking about it from the perspective of
1: the occupant and how that
0: impacts your experience in that space.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I go there for all of my care. So I've also had to go there for a gynecology appointment as a trans and autistic person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is an audio medium. So I will just say for people listening, I do have facial hair. So it's not like it isn't obvious that I'm trans and waiting for a gynecology appointment. It is very obvious that I'm trans and waiting for a gynecology appointment. Mm -hmm. So that already has me anxious. And And now I'm also an autistic person in a bright, loud, reflective, echoey space. Yeah. Again, only makes it worse. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to do an appointment that is also very difficult for me. And, you know, so this is why my partner ends ends up being, well, part of why my partner ends up being dragged to both my medical appointments. Right. I, I need another human there to keep me in the room.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That sounds incredibly uncomfortable and overstimulating and could be so much better. Like it's not that difficult to design a space that could be more comforting. Even what you're saying about anxiety in the space, like if they would consider how to make it a more calming and soothing area. Like I don't think that medical spaces have to be all white I would yep. love to see them move away from that to have, like, more plants, better lighting, yep. definitely reduce the sound. Because even if you don't have a migraine, if you're just feeling unwell, yeah, you don't want to be hearing everything that's happening in yeah. that space.
1: And it, you know, it gets loud in there sometimes. There's people who are there for routine checkups alongside people who are there for active, ongoing health challenges Mm -hmm. So that person who's just there for a routine checkup might be on their phone. Like I've, when I had a migraine in the neurology waiting room, there was someone on their phone behind me yelling into their phone. And like, it reached a point that I actually asked my partner to go to the desk and be like, is there literally anywhere else we can wait for this appointment? And the answer was no, you just have Mm -hmm. to stick it out. And I just managed to get this very cool job at a startup that has had me in some really fancy offices because my boss is really good at getting in fellowships that give her free resources. They have these phone booths that are the size of a phone booth and block out so much sound. You can also, like, at least one of them has dimmable lighting that you can also change the color of. It's like that, to me, is the is a really easy... You just slap a few of those in the neurology department. <laughs> you right. don't even need to change the structure, you know? But I mean, they're, the phone booths are very expensive because it's mostly these like very fancy high-end offices that are getting them right now. But it's like there is actually a health application for those. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That'd be really cool to see in a space like that, to have those accommodations. Yeah. Do you feel like your workplace is accommodating?
1: This is the best boss I've had. Great. Great. So she founded it as a for-profit company because her background is in not-for-profits and she was really tired of the work 80 hours a week for less than a living wage salary and all of Same. that kind of thing. But she's also trying to be really conscientious about the environment she's setting because she's just had so many people who she's worked closely with and become close friends with who are chronically ill, neurodivergent, trans, etc. So yeah, I mean, she's actually been like the most accommodating boss that I've had. And there was a moment a couple of weeks ago, one of the offices that we work out of was having work done on the building. Mm-hmm. So they were like knocking out and replacing old plaster, which meant mm-hmm. there was plaster like bouncing down the windows and both terrifying me and also just yeah. like being mentally disruptive and after a little bit of this, before it even occurred to me, she looked at me and she was like, oh, and just go work in one of the phone booths. <laughs> right. and I was like, oh, yeah, this, that's <laughs> a great idea. Thank you for <laughs> picking up on my active discomfort and finding a solution that I could not come to on my own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. I'm really happy to hear that. I don't feel like that is the norm yet, but I'm hoping that more employers will be more aware and willing to offer those alternatives for people.
1: Yeah, I was working retail for a while before this job and doing admin work on the side for small businesses and uh, cleaning apartments for a queer cleaning company, you know, doing an assortment of things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially with retail, it was like, even if you bring in a doctor's note being like, no, I actually have chronic migraines. They still, Mm -hmm. unofficially at that point, try to fire you once you go above their allotted number of Mm call-outs. It just changes how open they are about it. So, I mean, and that's not even to get into the sensory issues of working in a brightly lit retail store that screaming children could come into at any moment. Right. Which...
0: Yeah. (laughs) Looped music, all of the random noises everywhere, yeah. Have you Um, tried talking to your neurologist at all about the space?
1: Well, see, one of the challenges with that is that Bellevue is a public hospital that is mostly staffed by residents. So the good part of that is that I'm getting people who are fresh out of med school with the most up-to-date information that just got drilled into their brains. Mm -hmm. They're eager to prove themselves as doctors, you know, like excited to be there. I've really had very good experiences with them. But it also means that the neurologist I see changes almost every time I go in. Okay. So I actually, I have an appointment with my PCP who works out of the same building coming up on Friday. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to speak to him about it because he tends to be pretty receptive. That's why he's my PCP. It took Mm -hmm. me four or five years to even get a neurologist. And it only happened when I left the clinic I was going to before to switch to him. Yeah. So I'm hoping, well, really, I know that he will be receptive. The question is, who does the feedback actually need to get to? Do they care enough? Mm -hmm. Is their response going to be, we're a public hospital that doesn't have the budget to fix this? If I remember correctly, it does have ceiling tiles, which I'm like, I feel like you could swap that out to some kind of sound dampening material, probably.
0: Yeah, there are acoustical tiles that you can use. You can yeah. put like almost anywhere, like walls, ceilings.
1: Yeah. yeah like yeah. I, I totally get not wanting to have carpet in a floor of a hospital that I can definitely see from a sanitary standpoint, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are definitely places to put soft things that are not the floor. <laughs> right. I've definitely, I've
0: been in medical spaces before where they have low pile commercial carpet. Yeah. And like even the tiles are pretty easy to replace. And especially when the sound is like that bad. Yeah.
1: I don't think they anticipated patients being as loud as they are in the waiting room. Okay. (laughs) If I were designing a hospital, I wouldn't be like, oh, people are going to be yelling on the phone in the waiting room. And I'll be like, it's a hospital. People are going to be quiet. It's a serious space for serious business. (laughs) Yeah, You know? Right. It's like, no, sometimes people are just there to, you know, take their kid to their checkup Mm -hmm. and they're not in the same headspace that I am with a migraine. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being here and spending the time and talking about spaces with me and I hope that the hospital does listen to you and tries to do something better in that space because I'm sure you're not the only person who's being impacted
1: by that yeah I really doubt it I'm curious to talk to my doctor on Friday and see what he's heard from other patients mm-hmm. but yeah
0: maybe yeah. the staff hates it too
1: yeah I'm like who knows maybe I will be like, the 105th person who finally makes them (laughs) listen or something you know or maybe I'll be 104 and the next person will be the one you know but either way I'm gonna give the feedback and hope for the Mm -hmm. best
0: yeah definitely I think it does matter like everybody that says hey this is a problem for me and needs to be fixed I think that matters Dear listener, thank you for joining me on today's episode. This podcast is produced by Eden Environments, an inclusive and sustainable interior design firm. Our human-centric design strategy creates spaces that are fat and neurodivergent friendly, trauma-informed, and sustainable. If that sounds like what you need, contact me through Eden's website to get started. For the latest updates, sign up for emails and follow along on your favorite social media platform. And until we meet again, I wish you gentle days.